0: SNAP Production. Ned Brockman is a charismatic young electrician apprentice. At just 23 years old, Ned set out to become the fastest person to ever run across Australia, 4,000 kilometres from Perth to Bondi Beach in Sydney with only two years of running experience. Ned's ambition captured the hearts and minds of Australia and made headline news worldwide, with Ned raising over $2 million to combat homelessness.
1: Ned Brockman has completed his epic cross-country run.
0: Almost 4,000 kilometres from
1: Perth to Sydney. The days I could run, I had some severe injuries, but I averaged uh, about 87k a day.
0: What an extraordinary achievement and what an extraordinary young individual Ned Brockman is. It
1: was more about the, you know, showing up and showing that people can do a whole lot more in their lives and, you know, being an inspiration for people and raising a lot of money.
0: In this intimate conversation, we discuss making the uncomfortable comfortable, why mental strength is more powerful than physical strength and that anything is possible when you break past your own barriers.
1: There's a big connection between mind and body. And so if you're positive, like, I know, I know for a fact if I was like, oh, no, this is never going to, you know, I'm not going to negative about it, I bet my cotton socks my Hemi was going to be in, in pain the next day.
0: I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is a life of greatness. Through my years of studying and researching the connection between human behaviour, personal growth, and transformation, I have discovered the keys to unlocking greatness within others. In this podcast, I share stories and experiences from my own teachings, along with conversations with inspiring guests to help you learn the simple tips, habits, practices and strategies to cultivate an extraordinary existence. Ned Brockman is the author of the book, Showing Up. In its essence, this episode is about unlocking human potential and the immense possibilities that arise when we align the mind and body. My hope is that this conversation allows you to realise that with the right mindset, will and determination, you can achieve anything you desire. Ned Brockman, I wanted to read this quote that I know that you like, and it's also by a guy, Robin Sharma, who's been on this podcast before, who wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. The saddest part of life lies not in the act of dying, but in failing to truly live while we're alive. Too many of us play small with our lives, never letting the fullness of our humanity see the light of day. What does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, I love it. It's my favourite. It's like my – the energy I like to live my life by. So, yeah, for me, I think it's it's kind of evolved and developed over the last few years, that mindset. But, yeah, I think so many of us just sit back and wait and want things to happen for us and, you know, we'll, we'll get to 80 and we go, do we have a good life as, you know, I had all – I don't – I would hate to get to a point and go, I wish I had done something. Mm. I wish I had – Um, you know, done this or achieved that or, you know, tried this. And that's kind of why I do what I do because I just want to open doors and go for it, you know, because we're only here for a very short amount of time. Um, We're starting quite deep, aren't we? But, yeah, I think making the most of your every opportunity is what makes life so special.
0: And tell me, I want to know a little bit about your background and where you grew up. You grew up on a farm in regional Australia. Like how was that?
1: Made incredible! It's it's only what I've known, right? So it was, um, yeah, it was bliss, but it was um, challenging. You know, we're a very dry part of the world, so a lot of, uh, drought. Um, Central New South Wales. So Forbes is the town. Yeah, uh, about sixty k west on on a few thousand acres out there. But that's you know, as kids, that's all you know when whatever you're brought up into. That's all you know. So we just thought everyone had motorbikes and acres and acres of uh, paddocks to drive across and chase animals and just do all the work that, you know, we thought normal kids do. But I realised after, you know, probably high school that not everyone has that kind of opportunity as a young kid. Yeah, I think it's shaped me big time. I think, like, growing up on the farm, watching my parents, you know, the way they walk the walk, not necessarily talk the talk, They, they show by doing as opposed to telling how to do things or why to do things. And what did they do? I just, you know, I think uh, the book showing up. the The title is "That's My Dad." Uh, as a, you know, put him into two words, he just shows up every single day. He never had opportunities like he's given us. You know, he didn't work for any money up until twenty five. He never got paid by his old man, um, and you know, would have to shear sheep on the weekends to make his make his money. Bought up big time out, out in the farm, and and really put himself in a bit of debt just to kind of expand. And, and he that was when he had my brother and, you know, it was kind of a, a tough time and, and then no no rain for four years, which meant no income, which meant a lot of debt. And then – but he just always knew that if he just kept showing up, just kept, you know, one foot in front of the other, doing – going out, feeding the cattle, come back, going out, feeding the cattle each day, he knew that um, the, the brighter days would come because that's what happens in this world. I think when you do things for the right reasons, you – believe wholeheartedly that you'll get it done and you don't waver until it is achieved, then it will happen for you. And so I watched my father do that for, you know, close to 18 years until I, you know, left left high school and I'm still watching him to this day doing it. And that is, you know, that's incredible, a life of service for mm. your kids or your wife uh, to give them opportunities that, they never, that you never had is a pretty uh, selfless thing to do.
0: And did he ever get down in the dumps?
1: He did, but I never saw it. And so his ability to, he's very, like, I wouldn't say stoic, but very, um, you know, understanding that that's just the the role you have to play. That's just what what he has to do Mm. to provide for his kids and to give them, as I said, the opportunity he'd never had. He left high school at 14. So his education isn't, you know, what I'd been given. And he's, yeah, the way I, I think he's very lonely out there on the farm. Like he's on his own, you know, for, 14 hours a day just you know whether it's plowing paddocks or it's shearing sheep or it's moving cattle or whatever it may be and then he would come in the house and we'd be you know back from boarding school or back from school and we'd had a crappy day every single time it would be g'day kids how you going it would never be like you know miserable it was like I'm back in the house these are my kids these are the people I love I'm who I
0: am let's make it. When you're alone and you might know this from your running as well because I know that you were alone for a lot of it. Yep. Have you ever um, spoken to your dad about how he'd tend to his thoughts for 14 hours by himself?
1: Yeah, I, it's only in the last few years I've actually had those uh, conversations because I think my perspective on life has changed dramatically in the yeah. last four years. You know, you're quite when you leave high school, you think you know everything and you're, a, you know, you're the best at everything yeah. or whatever. But very quickly, you know, I, I spent the gap year on the farm with dad my gap year because I remember I said to mum I wanted to travel and she goes, oh, that's nice. With whose money? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I spent the year working with him and it gave me this realisation that this bloke has done this for however long, not complained a, 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 a little bit, you know, and it's like that's, that's that's incredible. Being able to go, like asking that question, I was like, how like how is it out there? Because even for me, spending that year on the farm, I was probably three months doing things where I was just sitting in a tractor or I was just fencing or just whatever. And I was like, "Jesus Christ. Like he doesn't listen to podcasts. He yeah. doesn't, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he doesn't know how to use Spotify, you yeah. know. So what what are you doing? Because of his lack of education, it's not it's not downplaying him, but he's he doesn't have the words to describe his emotions. So I there's a there's an energy that comes out of him when you do approach the subject of how how are you? Like how have, you know, you've spent so long in your life trying to whether it's money or, um, get out of debt or, um, give us these opportunities, you've never really probably been able to self-reflect and ponder Mm. why you're doing all this. And yeah, like him, I've, I've had conversations with him like, I'm just so lonely. Like I'm just so lonely. Mm. And that is like hard to hear, like knowing that that's been like that for so long, Mm. but yeah, he is the most incredible person. And like now I get to, I want him to take a bit of a step back from the farm and, um, but, you know, they're like those cattle dogs that just keep going Yeah, he's um, probably just going to always want to do something like that. It's probably
0: it. all that he knows as well, yeah. you know. So it's – as much as it is isolating, sometimes in situations like that, if that's all the person knows, taking away that from them yeah. could be – you know, very triggering. Big
1: time, yeah. And it's like it's changes is, is yeah. scary for a lot of people.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, yeah, getting away from a farm that you've been spending on for forty years yeah. is like you know it's it's a lot of your life. So, so
0: what
1: does your mum do? Um, so, mum, mum and dad met. Uh, she was quite young. Yeah. Um, he was a bit older. He was nine years older, and she doing an accounting degree when they met, and then so she's an accountant who she just runs the farm stuff, um, but is now a PT. Uh, personal trainer and group oh, wow. fitness trainer and yeah, she's incredible mum she's a she's a weapon she's um trains hard is a is the the disciplinarian of the two. Um, yeah, it was always the this is the right yeah. way, this is the wrong way if you do it, you'll learn um, but yeah she she is an incredible person in the book the uh, the way I think she just wants to bring us up as you know resilient um, empathetic, caring people. Uh, And if she does that, then I think she's done her role. So, yeah, she wrote a pretty cool little forward in there as well.
0: And so you then moved to Sydney to become a Sparky. Yep. An electrician for for a lot of the Americans that are listening right (laughs) now Um, and international people. You do that and then you get into running. So how did that all come about?
1: Was the transition? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, moved to to Sydney as I was – I think in in my mind I've always wanted to achieve in whatever it is, but – you know the electrician i just wanted to be the the best sparky in sydney have 100 people working for me you know i was i had all these big hopes and dreams yeah um a year and a half into my electrical apprenticeship i was a bit overweight um i was you know eating the pies and chalky milks um yeah. before, like all for, good tradies for breakfast yeah no durries though that was yeah, no, yeah. no cigarettes yeah. um and yeah i was just like kind of coasting floating um you know had opportunities, but just like, you know, I'm comfortable, this is fine. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror, like, probably 10 months into my apprenticeship, just being like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, like, you know, in school, you've got all the um, structure with after school, yeah. co-curricular staff, so you're always yeah, you're training and yes. moving and eating what you can yeah. eat at boarding school, right? Um, and then I obviously have options. You can go and eat, buy whatever you want from Woolies, or you can go and you know, yeah. eat whatever you want and drink whatever you want. And so, yeah, I was just kind of heading down that path and my body was symbolic of where my life was heading. I was just starting to let it all slip a bit. Yes. And, yeah, I just went, you've got to do something about it. And I rode at school. I played rugby at school, so I knew how to train um, and just started running because I knew you could burn a lot of energy in yeah. running. Um, I remember in 3K down the road, I was absolutely busted. I <laughs> um, hadn't trained for eight months or something. And I was like, you've just got to commit to this. You've just got to see it through. And so uh, for about the first week, it was all about weight loss. And then after that first week, it was like, oh, you can – you can run like, and, and you're out, this is a choice, you know, it's not cross country at school. It's not, um, the athletics carnival. It's like, this is your choice. Get out there, go do it. And so pretty well after that first week, it was like, let's see how far you can go. And then, yeah, that's just kind of snowballed big time. And so my, my naivety really helped me in my running career. Not that I would really call myself a runner, but I use it as the tool to champion causes and, you know, find what I'm made of and, and chase discomfort. And yeah, it just, it snowballed. Within a month, I had run my first marathon. A month? Within a month, yeah. So prior to that, I'd probably only ever run three kilometres from the start of that.
0: you never had any proper training, did you? I still haven't. (laughs) It's so unbelievable. Towards the end of school, I also thought, maybe I'll just run. I did 3K around the block. Mm. And I used to do that for ages. And then I think I was running when I was younger, like, you know, five days a week or something mm. like that. And it was like, you know, you never had to go to a gym and pay any money. Yeah, yeah. You just like leave the house, go for a run. And at the time, I remember even having a Discman and it would like jump. You probably don't even know what that is. And it would jump when you would hold it, like the CD right. would go boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. But that was like, and your hands would be all sweaty oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Anyway, but I would get injured a bit. When I'm reading your book Mm. and hearing your story, like like I had to stop running because of injuries and I never ran how you ran. So Mm. how does someone who doesn't train properly, Mm -hmm. did you do a lot of strength exercise and like, I mean, I don't understand how your body sustained that.
1: Yeah. So- I guess, And like you did
0: like 50K.
1: 50 marathons, 50 days. Yeah. yeah. So I ran my first marathon in that March of 2020 or April of 2020. And then from April to August, yeah. I ran my first 100K, which was, you know, pretty ridiculous uh, considering I'm not a runner. And then, yeah, I, that next day I was like, right, what's next? And I, it's like this excitement of – and we touched on it at the start with the, with the quote. It's like this is a door that's opened, so go take it. Go and – grab your opportunities down this, this yeah. path, this avenue. And I found every time I ran a little bit further, the euphoria was exponentially greater yeah. the further it took me to get it. So the the squeezing of the juice, the longer that took to get it, the more fulfilling that was when I drank it, right? And so these this 100K run, it took me 11 hours or, or whatever it took me over the time. Actually, I think it was eight, eight and a half hours, um, pretty quick one. <laughs> and then... I got home and I was like, oh, my God, like imagine what it would feel like to add on days and days and days and then achieve it over a 50-day period or whatever that may be. And that's why I said, "Right, well, let's go run 50 marathons 50 days um, while working because it still is as yeah. a sparky. But, yeah, to answer like, the question of I think like I, I'd strength trained a fair bit in my high school and, mm. and so I, I would have somewhat of a development in bones, tendons, ligaments. But, yeah, I, I probably just have – I drink a lot of milk. I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite um, genetically yeah. – I might be a bit, you know, more predisposed to being able to do things as opposed yeah. to other people. Um, but that doesn't allow you to wake up every morning and show up again and again and again. That That is something that's in your head. And so – and also it's something in your head is that – I'm not saying um, with your running that you weren't injured, but yeah. it's more like the – price I was willing to pay, I was willing to cop any injury that came at me. Yeah. So I was, I knew I wasn't probably going to get a stress fracture. So whether it was tendon, muscle, whatever it was, I had accepted that that may happen. So if it does find a way through it and then, yeah, so no 50 and 50, I, my first ever dealing with injuries and running on it was yeah. about day 12, um, where I got like a hamstring tear. Mm. I'd never run on a torn hamstring before, which, you know, probably shouldn't anyway. Yeah. Um, it was about 12 K into the 42 K. Um it was about seven o'clock at night. i finished my full day's work on day twelve and I'm going, Oh God, is this it? Someone's sniping me out of nowhere. I'm I'm done. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And then I um I remember being like, Well, you've said you're gonna do this, so do
0: it. How do you run through the pain though?
1: Well, this is this may sound ridiculous, but in my head it's just pain. It's not a I don't know, like No, anyway. I'm
0: so interested in your yeah. answer to this question. Like
1: I can only say it so many times to people but it's like until you l- do this every day, like that get comfortable being uncomfortable quote mm. is like that's how I was living my life every friggin' day. Like I would wake up and go, how can I make this the harder option? How can I choose the harder route or how can I, you know, do something more uncomfortable because I know when I get to this thing and when I know when I get to this thing in my life, I'm well equipped because I've been doing this every single day. I'm not waiting till the day and then go, okay, it's hard. So when I got to this, I was like, right, You've accepted this. You've said, if you're going to get injured, there is going to be pain. Like, that's okay. And so, yeah, I was just like, right, let's find a way. And so I remember just like I'd half stride on my left and so it would get yeah. to a point where it would be and I would I was running like seven-minute Ks and I just struggled the whole way home, got the 42K. Um, and it was like, tomorrow's a new day. Like, you'll be right. Tomorrow's a new day. And I think as well if your yeah. mentality is of a positive nature – the body, like, there's a big connection between mind and body.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so if you're positive, like, I know I know for a fact if I was like, oh, no, this is never going to, you know, I'm not going to negative about it. I bet my cotton socks, my Hemi was going to be in, in pain the next day. Um, and then, yeah, woke up the next day. I remember I, I went to sleep at about 11.30 that night, woke up 5.30 for work, went to work, and then, just by luck, uh, the last sixteen k, I felt my hamstring. Then the next day, the last ten k, I felt my hamstring. Then, and then it disappeared because it's like the body will hold on, like the the mind will quit so much before the yeah. body will. And so if you can, the mind controls the body big time. And if you can cut off that that signal that's saying stop, stop, stop. If you can, I know it's probably not a you know a healthy thing to be saying mm. to people, but if you can say that. And you can tell your body that, like, this is what we're doing. It will it will find a way.
0: To know that we're in pain is also a good thing because it allows us to realise, okay, like, we need to stop and do something about it as well. And I wonder, like, have you got injuries because of your running?
1: I'll always have overflow of, like, whether that's mental, The Body Keeps the Score. Have you read that book? Vessel van der yeah, 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 incredible. So yeah. I love how they explain the idea of, Like, you do something and you're, like, for me, I had this uh, IT band injury between the 50 marathons and the run across the country. And, you know, I had so many scans on it after I had the surgery, right? And because I had put myself through this and run on this and run on this, my body was so hardwired to be like, you have pain there. And so when I had the surgery and I cleared it up and it was all good, I still had pain there for, like, the next year, right? Mm. And the scan was saying, you're fine. But there's this mismatch between my body, what it's saying, and my head going, no, there's pain there, even though the body's okay. Yeah. So there's this signal that's saying, no, you're injured. But for so long, you're so hardwired to go, oh, I've got an injury there. It's like back pain. Yeah. Back pain is like the research on it is so heavily in favour of like up here. It's like if you are stressed and you are – believing you have back pain, the back pain is going to show itself. Oh, so much more. It's
0: like, you know, when people lose limbs and they have that phantom pain, like yeah, they can feel like, their oh, arm, arm and their arms yeah. aren't even there anymore.
1: And that's the exact same thing. So from my big run across Australia, I was dealing with a lot of stuff and I, I'm sure I'm still dealing with it, but I know like from scans and from blood tests and it's like, I'm okay. It's just my body is dealing with the effects of doing something so hectically fucked up, because mm. I, I went to some very, 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 very dark places to get across this country. You know, I'd only been running for three years. I'd taken on this goal of running across Australia. That's, that's The people who've done it are people who've run for years and years and years. They are ultra runners or people who have taken on a life of this endurance mm. events. I'm just a young kid from Forbes who's found running two years ago and gone, I'm going to run across Australia. That's why I kinda I don't get the shits that people call me a runner, but I get the like I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I, I'm a guy who's just taking his opportunities and gone, I'm going with this. This is how I can make change in the world. This is how I can leave a legacy in in knowing that I've helped people. Mm. Um, that's what's cool. I don't I don't want to be like, hey, I'm the most famous runner, I broke this record, I've got this. Like that, that's that's byproducts of doing something for a way big, bigger reason.
0: And to put people up to scratch, you ran from Perth to Sydney, which is 3,800 kilometres. Yeah. And we were averaging like a 100 kilometres a day. Yeah, so and we'll bump those 40, numbers up. It was about,
1: about 3,950 <laughs> <was
0: right>. <laughs> Um, it, And it was about 43 days?
1: Yeah, 46, 46 I got there in. So, yeah, yeah it was just shy of 4,000 Um 46 days I did it in. I The goal was 100K a day and there was a few days there where I had, you know, severely debilitating injuries that I had to work out how the hell we were going to get through them. So I had to go drive ridiculous distance to get a scan and get an injection and come back and start again. So I lost a few days there. But, yeah, ran across Australia in 46 days, which was a pretty uh, life-changing experience.
0: And raised over a million dollars. Yeah, 2.6. 2.6. 2.
1: And 6
0: 6 it went million.
1: to... Homelessness, people experiencing homelessness, yeah.
0: And obviously, like we were talking about, you need a lot of mental resilience for that. So you were into doing a bit of manifestation and visualisation, weren't you, prior to doing the run? Like yep. you would visualise. I do visualisation every yep. day. So I think it's a great thing. I know a lot of athletes do it. I don't do it because I'm an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do it to manifest oh, my dreams <laughs> into reality. But there's been so much neuroscience behind this. A lot of uh, actors do it. A lot of musicians do it. A lot of people in my realm do it as well. And I wonder how that helped you.
1: As you can probably tell, I'm a bit of a a cowboy operator. There's no real science behind what I do. There is like the elements of training hard and believing and, and all that. But in terms of like, I don't call it manifestation. I know that's the term. But I think if you can think of something up, right, and you... It's so important to you mm. and it's it means like, you know, you go to sleep just before you go to sleep. That's the thing you're thinking about. You're dreaming about it. You wake up, you go, fuck, I'm going to gonna do that. And then you have the courage to then speak that and voice that and word that to people and tell the world and, you know. Words well, are very
0: important as well.
1: Yeah, and that like, there's that, you know, that mind-body connection. It's like you start telling yeah. yourself. And so all of a sudden like every single choice you make is with that in mind. So you're dropping people or you're dropping things that don't aid to that. And then you're, so I don't think it's manifestation as much as it's your whole life yeah. is now revolved around this damn thing you you want. Yeah. And so for me, that's like this, this run across Australia. I was like on my wall, I would just be like, I was just wrote 43 days or, um, whatever, whatever the thing was, a few vulgar things on the wall, but, um, and then I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up and I'd look at it and then I'd, on my phone it would be the photo of Australia.
0: When you are looking at it though, because one of the big parts is also when you look at it, it's like you're raising your energy. So you're in that, like, this is mine, this mm. is mine. Like it's not just like, oh, yeah, you are there then, you mm. know, and that with visualisation it's that too. Like you can smell it, you can taste it, your feet are hurting or whatever mm. it is, like you are there and you know that no one can take that away from yeah, you. Yeah. It's like it's already been
1: yeah, yeah, you just got to go and live it. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing of it is, is like when you do have that courage to voice it, right, like a lot of people don't voice it because they know that. A lot of that, Aussies
0: don't voice it. Yeah,
1: big time. Americans fucking yeah, they, love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. They're amazing. They get around each other. They're yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You go, mate, you go. I agree. I think that's a very big.
0: Yeah, it's part in of In the Australian psyche to go,
1: or... hey, pull them down. Yeah. Now they're up there. Or they, they put doubt
0: in your mind. Yeah.
1: Because it's, it's their there, yeah. yeah. And yeah. also,
0: sometimes I feel that it's hard for people to see others achieve. That can, it, then they look at them and they don't dislike them, but it makes them feel inadequate. It just lights
1: a, you know, sh- it puts a shadow on, yeah, and you know, shows them that they're they not haven't achieving. achieved their dreams, yeah, you know. Of course. Yeah. It's, and it's hard for people to something. Like, I, I love watching people, like, get, I get sent so many people doing things. I'm like, yeah, that is, I cannot wait for you to feel the feeling of accomplishing what you are about to do, yes. like that just excites the hell out of me because that's why I do it because that feeling and that knowing I'm giving back, that knowing I'm uh, fueling this ecosystem of people wanting to make the most of their life because we only get one of them. Mm. Um And, yeah, so like back on the manifestation, I'm like, I want people to just be like, you know that thing you just been wanting to do, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't probably mm. listen to it. Mum and Dad says this. My friends are, you know, oh, you know, secure your job. Yeah. So I just want people to go, no, fuck this. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm dropping this. Or I'm doing that, or I'm, yeah, not obviously within reason. You don't want to have two kids and then you know drop your job and not be able to financially secure it, whatever. But I mean, like, it's so we're here it's so short. Where like, make the most of it and do it and dare to be great. If it comes up short, it comes up short. You also tried, mm. like. There's also valor in that as well. Like how many times I've, you know, I didn't break the record that I was going for, yet it all became so much larger than, and something completely different than running across Australia in the record time. It became like this guy is showing up every single day doing something that people didn't think was probably possible for him and still being himself authentically. Like that's that's the lesson in that is like you just need to, do the things because you want to do them and and regardless of what happens, as long as you keep showing up, you'll be right.
0: I mean, there is something in that whole purpose and meaning. Mm. You know, when you have purpose and meaning in your life, everything changes. You have that, that's like you want to get up in the morning, like it's so exciting to like be in the day and Mm. what will come next. You're so inspired. On purpose. Yeah.
1: Do you think us as humans have a unique Purpose like yours is different to mine, or do you think we all have a universal? um, I
0: think one of the big parts of purpose is that there is a service component within that. So, I think when we're in some way helping others, and you know, for me, the podcast is going out to millions of people who are listening and it's changing lives. You go on that run, not only do you inspire people you raise all this money for people who are homeless. There is such a big uh, amount of service within that. And there is a selflessness about that too. And Mm -hmm. I think like, I'd love to hear what you think, but I think for me, If the podcast, I wasn't making money from it, I reckon I would still do it because I know it's helping people. On those letters and emails and messages I get from mothers who are in hospital with their dying children who listen to the podcast Mm. and that has helped them through those darkest days, Mm. I would give up everything for that. Mm. And even though, like, I know that it was my journey to get here, I can't believe where I am as well. Like, there's a part of it, you know, where I'm like, this is incredible and... I want to inspire others to be able to do something similar because I didn't always have that flame. And when Mm. it got lit, well, Mm. I must have had the... We're all born with the flame, Mm. but it goes out depending on societal pressures, Mm. parents, what is a good job and what isn't kind of thing, money, Mm. all that kind of stuff. But when it starts to kind of flicker again and get Mm. brighter, it just makes everything just so wonderful.
1: Yeah. I wonder if though, like, if the doors in your life had opened in a different way, that same fuel and fire would in, you know, having a purpose in it would be the exact same in the other avenue that you went down because like life's a thing of choices choices and doors and going with opportunities or not. Yeah. And I wonder if, like that's, that's kind of the question of do you think we all have a unique one or are we actually all just living one yet we think we have a unique one? Because I think I think we're all just – there is a purpose for humans here. Mm. It's to fuel the the world and, and we're, we're little things with consciences that think, oh, we're important or we're not or whatever it may be. I think I'm living a purpose. I don't think my purpose is to run across Australia and inspire millions of people. I think my purpose is to, whatever it may be, live to the fullest. And so – however I inspire people, however I make people feel yes. that per- that thing, it was always going to happen, but it does, it's not necessarily in in running or it's not necessarily in podcasting. It's in like – it's in you as – you know what I mean? Yes. Like, uh, I'm fascinated by, by everyone. Yeah. I think I'm, – I'm very like curious. I'm, I'm not judgmental. I love like learning about people's perspectives on mm. all of it. At its core, we're all like just little monkeys on a planet with consciences that yeah. go – what are we doing here? Let's try and make the most of it. And so the fact that we get to inspire people to take on what it is they want to do, then fucking hell, how cool is that?
0: Oh, I think it's amazing. Do you believe like in a higher source?
1: I think there's energies. Like even this podcast, right? Like it could have taken a complete different way if we don't talk like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're now having this moment where we're both understanding that, whoa, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like – yeah, I think there's I think there's energies and understanding of frequencies and where you're
0: because we're all just energy, really.
1: hundred percent, just matter. Yeah, but that have a little brain that goes, oh, maybe we're not, but we are. And like I think there's something there, and and that kind of comes back to that whole belief in everything will line up if you believe it all. Yes,
0: like, I do too.
1: But I think you, if you're not fully believing that, then then you, it's actually like. It won't happen for you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the higher purpose, the higher power may play into that. I don't know about like, you know, religion and all that. No, I, no, yeah. I but think that's like, kind
0: of it'd be even different sort
1: of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely think there's certain people with certain energies that understand. And I might, like for me, I've had these, and I've talked about it in the book, but like these moments with certain people that you go, I get why you're you. Mm. And I reckon you get why I'm me. And I don't know if there's, like, another bunch of people that are on a complete different fre- frequency that understand each other and I'll never get that. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it is, but I know that there's something going on with when I speak to some people, there's, like, this understanding and the, the way I'm kind of going a bit deeper on it all is that understanding. Yeah,
0: like I see you, I get yeah, you. Yeah, Well, I believe that everyone have different frequencies and the pers- people you feel most comfortable with, I'm saying from my own experience, are the people that are vibrating at the same frequency as I am, you know, and sometimes I find myself feeling uncomfortable around people that don't and I'm like, oh, I don't really, not in a in an interview yeah, scenario, yeah. I'm like everyday life where it's like, how do I have nothing to say to them when all mm. I do is talk all day? You know, it's like this awkward and I feel that they find me awkward. It's yeah, yeah, like yeah. this, something's not matching up. But not kind of cool?
1: like, Yeah, yeah, totally. That it's like... We are all so different, different. and so weirdly, like, on this little planet. Think like we're just getting by and doing a day.
0: Well, it's all a movie in a sense, you know. Like it's it's like you know. Have you heard of the analogy where like you're the actor in the play, and it goes to like where we were talking about what door you kind of open to walk through to change Mm. your life, and it's like, well, this is your play. What do you want to do, you know? you've got the script yeah. and it's up to you to write it.
1: Yeah. We literally have that opportunity every single day. Yeah,
0: I wonder if how, you know, when you did your big run, mm. did you tap into that source in any way? Like even if it was, I don't know, not in a religious sense, mm. I'm talking more like saying a affirmation to yourself, things like talking to your higher no, self, that, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think like just on a non-deeper level, it was very like <clears throat> the power of positive words was a yeah. big thing for me. I would like, how are you feeling? I've never been better. Even though I'd been in the mo- the worst pain I've ever felt, I would just say I've never been better. I just told myself that because I had to get through it somehow. I'd prefer to get through it being happy. Yeah. Um, but then there was days there, like the first 11 days I ran a, a 100k a day. I ran 1,100 kilometres in 11 days over hills through headwinds with road trains, with road kill, with lack of food, like weather, rain, you know, it was, it was gnarly, gnarly. And – every single day I ticked another hundred day 100 kilometers off I got a you know another 10 20 40 50 thousand dollar donations or whatever it may be it just was like this like okay, a layer there and then another layer and then when I'd finished that day I the the guttural screams that would come out of me uh, something I can't really do at the moment like I wouldn't be able to do that but because I was in this from pain no just from euphoria oh, wow. just like like no one can stop me that's how it felt. I don't know, I just felt this, like, this. I was in this dome, this little bubble, and, like, anyone that came into my vortex had to understand or they had to get the fuck out because I struggled to talk about that guy who I was running across Australia because for me to get there, I had to put away so much of who I am in in the day-to-day, like this happy, lively go-getter who's, you know, telling everyone to have a freaking good day became this, like, um and my you know team can attest to this but I was pretty brutal like yeah. I was like if I don't like what you're saying I'm going to tell you and if I need this happening it's going to have to happen because that's who I was to get this done if I was me right now to get that done I couldn't I couldn't do it because there would be too many easy options to pull on to to get out of it. Um, and it so There was a
0: time where you were you got quite angry with your mum yep. and your girlfriend yep. and how did that go?
1: Yeah well that was the same thing and I think I was so hell bent on getting this thing done that I forgot that all these people were there to help me. Mm. And so all these people, like my whole team were there in support of me to be on my journey to help me get what I want to do done. Yes, it was rewarding and there was times there it was amazing, but I also forgot that they had sacrificed their time, their yeah. money, their energy to be on this journey with me. And so, yeah, that that kind of happened on day 15. I had an injury, drove the 14 hours to get injected, came back and I was just filthy at the world. I was like, I'm in that much pain and I'm trying to comprehend how much damage I'm doing. I know I was okay with it, but I was still trying to put it like, oh, my God, how long is this going to last when I finish? Um, and I just, yeah, took it out on on my girlfriend Gemma um, and she just, like, drove off with all the food and water and almost 20K <laughs> of my life. I'll show you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then got there and she had told my mum – what I'd said, and I told it at f off, and um, I wasn't nice. And Mum, like she did when I was a kid, mm. hops out of the van and just those eyes that you go, oh no, what have I done? And um, yeah, it just was like, if you ever speak to us like that, um, like we're we're out of here. Um, and it kind of made give me this gave me this awesome uh, perspective on, oh shit, you know they're here for you. You've got to use them. Take it out on the road trains. Take it out on the whatever you got to do. Don't take it out on the team who are there for you.
0: There's this bit in your book where you talk about your mum and your mum sounds like a legend. She reminds me of my mum. We love them dearly. Like, what would we do without them? But this is quite painful. She's, you know, you talk about your mum after you've obviously been through the ring of running one day And you're like, mum comes back, her face splotchy and red, betraying the tears she hid from my view. I wonder what she wants to say to me now, but she feels she can't. I wonder what verbal comfort she would offer to try to ease my suffering, but knows that I would only dismiss. Mm. I wonder how hard it is for her to watch me unravel, to lose a piece of myself at each roadhouse at the end of another day's hell. I wonder how she sleeps at night, hearing my screams as I sweat through sheets and cling wrap, Mm. only to appear at my door at 3.50 the next morning, bowl of oats in hand, smile (laughs) fixed, words of affirmation at the ready. She knows me better than anyone. Yeah. I know that you don't have kids, but I do, and they're young. But I think oh I would be so <laughs> if mm-hmm. that was my beautiful son, yep. oh my heart would just be in a hundred pieces. Even yep. though I'd be so excited about what mm. he was doing, never want to see your child in pain. Mm-hmm. And I wonder like, you know, when you think about your mother now, mm-hmm. like, how do you feel about that? You know, I know she would be so proud of you, but also the anguish that you would have put her through.
1: Oh, big time. And I think Mum is equally as proud of me as she is all her children, not because I've done something yeah. like this. She, you know, a lot of – lot of she gets that a lot. Like, oh, you must be so proud of that. She's like, I'm so proud of all my kids. Mm. You know, one's a paramedic who saves people's lives on a daily basis. One is a, a builder who has – who is a father to incredible kids. Like, we're all mm. – you know, we're all – she's just as proud of all of us. But she finds it hard because she has set me up for this in a way. Like, she feels that she's probably – like – even from the get-go, like I don't think she knew how to parent someone hell-bent on finding what it is they want to do, right? And 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 living so viciously in that life of like, I want to achieve everything and whatever it is in whatever part that is. And unfortunately, I've found it in putting myself through the ringer because I know the fulfillment I get when I achieve it. She has tried before to go, hey, man, why don't we just tone it back a bit? Why don't yeah. we try and... Not do that just because, you know, and I've I've just turned back and gone, don't you dare tell me what to do because this is my choice and that would eat her up more than not being there on that run. So she's her – she would have to then – that's why she says, no worries, how how can I help? And that's – I remember when I brought up the 50 marathons, 50 days, I remember she questioned it and I was like, that's okay, you don't have to be involved, that's fine. I would would like you to be involved and I'm going to do this to myself but – um, I would love you to be there. And so that's your choice. Um, and then she just went, yep, all good. I'll be I'll be around. And then when I said to her, I'm going to run across the country, she said her straightaway words were, great, how can I help? Just like mm. instantly because she knew. She just knew I was going to do it regardless. Um, but I love having them on the, the, those journeys, mum and dad. Like talk about like living so, you know, you leave school and you never really see him as yeah. as much as you always did when you were a kid. But being able to, like, live so viciously with them and live these experiences and share these suffering together. Like, I'd, I'd, some days I'd run out into the, um, off the road into the camper van and I'd be miserable and, like, oh, I'm really hurting and a lot of pain. Other days I'd run in and be like, mum, let's go. And then she'd be up and about going, oh, my God, yes, we're good to go. But, yeah, her, her ability to, you know, weather the storm And understand me so much that she could then tell everyone else out there on that run that this is what you've got to do. This is your role. This is your role because she knew her son and what he was gonna be doing. And yeah, she's yeah, incredible. And like they know, mums know shit way before you do. And like part of her would want to help, but other times she's just like, he's gotta work it out himself. And that's what's so cool. I think
0: They understand the unspoken. Oh, so,
1: so true. And like even as kids, like, you know, in in the book I wrote, um, don't that was her rule. Don't come crying or complaining unless you're broken or bleeding and be home before dark. And so it was like that was the rule. Yeah. And so I'd come home either I wouldn't wouldn't complain about my brush or my whatever, or I'd have a broken arm and I'd be crying, sobbing my little eyes out, going, Hey Mum, we need to fix this. She went, Fuddy hell, we're on again. But um, no, nah, she's yeah, she's been an incredible role model in my life.
0: And you had PTSD. I don't know if you still have it after yeah. the run. Can you tell us how that kind of manifested?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to I wanna do – I do want to say, like, it's not diagnosed, but I definitely know it was mm. um, part of that. And, like, you know, for people who do suffer from PTSD, I don't want to be like, oh, i got PTSD. Like, I know how yeah. hard and debilitating that is. So I reckon I had signs big time. Um, I know for sure I did. But, uh, yeah, I – because I put myself in this, like, you know, that metaphorical dome of, like, you're getting this done, so everything else, I like, I was on this different level of, like, oh, God, I, every day is so hard and so torturous and so, oh, I just, there's that, that option to quit was never there. Like, even though it was every single day, every single step, I didn't have to take the next one. Um, it was just never there for me. So knowing you still have 30 days of this, whatever, like it, it is going to play on your mind and it's going to have an effect on you. And so when I got to Bondi, I had like three or four days where I was still on on a, you know, life high, just like feelings of feelings you never felt before.
0: There were like thousands to probably hundreds of thousands of people watching your every move uh, on Instagram and social media. and Just mental.
1: Yeah. And like I don't think anyone can ever prepare you for that. So of course I'm going to be on this like, you know, yeah. excitement. And, and then I hit a week and I was like, Especially in that week too, though, as soon as I finished, I was still waking up, stopping my watch, and spitting at walls because I was spitting so much on the run, and like dodging road trains in my sleep, like waking up screaming at road trains about to hit me because I'd just mm. been staring at road trains all all day. Um, and then like yeah, I'd like i just been like wake up in terrors and like whenever anyone said a run, like when are you when you're gonna run again, I would my whole body would shiver and I'd like go into panic mode if my heart rate, I looked at my heart rate because I was watching my heart rate so much out in the run, like it would send me into panic mode again. Um, But I had to like, I journaled a lot. Like I, it was all part of it. Like I I know I had to go through this low. So let's try and navigate it in a way where you can at least learn for the next time. And so, yeah, like I was journaling a lot and trying to explain like why, why, why. And I think it's especially, like that's probably been the best reflection is like the post run. It's like allowed me to go, and, and really question those big, mm. big questions we all have, um, and and I think it's like given me more of a not a new lease on life, but it's a more of a, a perspective that we are so fragile, and, mm. and and opportunities are there, but you've got to take them. And yeah, it's been been a really cool
0: process. How do you move through? And I now know you're on a book tour. So there's that high again. But how do you move through going from such the highest of highs to then boom, normality? And I know, like, for a lot of people who are film stars or anyone that has, like, a big role and then that finishes, yep. it's like, now what? There's a beautiful book and it's called After the Ecstasy, The Laundry by Jack Cornfield. Right. He's a Buddhist monk. And... Um, it's just so true. After the ecstasy, the laundry, we still have to do the same things. Of course. Like nothing changes. And there's there's book. like how do we become okay with the mundane again? Mm. And I wonder how you move through that.
1: Yeah, so I think it's the I'm okay with the mundane because I know there's the opportunity to do another ecstasy, you know. There's another opportunity where but I, I guess I, I know that because I know I can make it. I can know I can make another opportunity like that. I think when you can get lost in it is when you have these highs and they weren't intentional. So these things that may happen in your life that – or they may be intentional but you didn't know that was probably what was going to come. I, I I do these things because I just want to find out. And so regardless of whether it's another run or it's another um, thing, I will want to do these things and I will find what that is. And it might not be physical down the line but – I think we should all like – I don't know if you – there's like a, um, a guy, a TED Talk guy talks about if you live in the – like the, the range is one to ten. Mm. If you live in the four to six, you know, your high is, is, is kind of okay but your lows only a four so it's not that bad. But you're living on this like kind of little mm. – if you if you experience tens, you're going to experience ones. Like that's, that's okay. So that's – like the ones are okay because you also get to experience life like very few people get to experience it. And so – I don't want just a ordinary okay, but not too bad life. I want like, I want to feel the crap. Like I want to bring it all on. Like I'm, it's all, it's almost like a bit sadistic how much I like the bad too, because I'm like, no one's like very few people are feeling these things too because, mm. or embracing these feelings. Um, I love it. I love it. And so, yeah, I think it's all part of it when you do these highs and highs. And and yeah, I I, I guess I'm addicted to that feeling of like, that rush of those big, big moments, like I I dare say I have an addiction to that. Yeah. Because even now, like, yeah, I, I've I've loved this book and I've loved doing things outside and what the run has given me, the opportunities, it's really cool. That's not why I do what I do. I do what I do because I want to do those things mm. and I want to see what I'm made of and I want to see the new things I learn about myself because I know the next thing I do, I'm going to learn it about whatever the hell else rocks up, it's going to be like fascinating because mm. then I'll be able to talk to you about that. And yeah. and there's no – but for right now I only know what I know and I might have more ideas on other things. But for what I've gone through, I feel like it has evolved me a lot quicker than a lot of 24-year-olds would ever have. Oh,
0: absolutely. You know
1: what I mean? Like that's it's allowed me to go, oh, you know, and then it's given me those perspective on my parents and those, those people who are – and, and that that idea of being curious not judgmental it's like I don't don't judge people for whatever their role is in life it's it's just cool that that's where this has led them to
0: I wonder you know in those dark moments how do you move through them because did you like see a psychologist like how do you because that those things can be quite terrifying
1: uh no I didn't I haven't i've I've reached out to one and I almost panicked because I didn't feel I was doing myself justice by reaching out. I know that sounds ridiculous and it's contrary to a lot of people's belief. Yeah. Um, but me as Ned Brockman, I felt that I can't – and yes, they give like they give tools for that and like that would probably be an easier way to go through yeah. these things. But again, you can probably tell I like learning and I like yeah. going through things, trying to find out why and, and, and questioning things and yeah, so – I approach that subject of like, oh, maybe I do need help, but I think the help will come when you are open to that happening in mm-hmm. your life. So, you know, my mum's probably my biggest God, therapist. Right, you know, yeah. like she's my sometimes she's just a, a sounding board. And I go, mum, I just you know I'm I cry, I cry all the time. Like I am a big emotional dude. Like yeah. I I let it out, and that's there's no shame in that. Like I love I love being able to cry and, and let it out because that allows me to go okay, recharge, ready to go. Mm. Um, and life can be overwhelming, like this next few months, it's, it's going to be hectic, but we also, it's an awesome opportunity to keep being me.
0: When I look at you, I think of the quote, nothing comes from a comfort zone. You know that quote? Mm. Um, I wonder like, even though with speaking, how do you like a Sparky from regional Australia then stand in front of 3000 people Mm. and do a keynote? Yeah. And for someone like me who also does that, yeah. It can be very terrifying mm-hmm. at times, especially when you're getting into it. Yep. I mean, I'm sure that you've had media training and all the bits and pieces, but how, Not do, nothing? Not how did nothing? How did you even do that?
1: Yeah, so there's kind of two parts to it. Yeah. One being if you have the perspective of running across a country off no training, then yeah. standing up in front of 3,000 people ain't that bad. Um, and the other thing is I am authentically myself.
0: Do you learn a speech or do you just talk? No.
1: I just talk now. I, I've I've got images where I go. Oh, yeah, and slides, I talk to, But, but yeah. like the messages are in what I'm feeling in the time. Yeah, great. Um, and there's a there's a big thing in that too. My first three keynotes were very much recited, mind you. I, yeah. They were like, I need because I'm not standing up in front. Of, like I was I was nervous as hell. Yeah. Like, Don't get me wrong, balls in the throat sort of stuff. I think like yeah, that perspective of being like, you can do that, then. You know, there's so many people do keynote speaking. What's wrong with – you can do it, mate. Yeah. Um, And that's the same with the run across Australia. It was like people have done it. Why can't you? And, yeah, the other is that, like, I'm not trying to be anyone other than myself. Mm. And the one thing we all have that no one else has is the uniqueness of ourselves. Mm. And so if you are trying to be someone else or trying to be a um, Tony Robbins or trying to be a whoever – it's gonna come off like you're trying to be Tony Robbins. Mm. But if I speak like I'm speaking to you now, people are like, What are you, like, what's going on in this guy's head? This is amazing. <laughs> you know, like that, like that was a big lesson I've learned yeah. through it all. And I I always talk about evolving and 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 you know, you must learn from your mistakes and, and appreciate your wins. And I go up there and tell people to evolve and, and be better people, but so my keynote is like from where it first started to now is so wildly different. Yeah. And it's like I love that because I've got one tomorrow where I'm like I can't wait because I don't even know half the stuff I'm going to talk about yeah. because it's going to come to me when I'm up there.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's so good. And be, even like this chat, I will yeah. learn that like, you know, all perspectives and yeah. and the way people interact and, 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 you know, when you're sitting in a, you know, like I'm going to learn yeah. and, and I'm so excited to put that on people and, you know, Sometimes they fall bad. Sometimes they fall really well um, and that's just part of it. And I think that's, that's kind of cool. Like I've had, I've had keynote experiences where they felt so bad.
0: And so how do you move through that? How do you not go, I'm shit, this is so embarrassing, I, st- I should stick to running?
1: Yeah, I've, I've had those moments but I've gone like it's just another lesson, just another lesson.
0: Do you get embarrassed or you nah? You don't care.
1: I think you you're lying if you say you don't get embarrassed. I think there's people who say oh, I couldn't give a crap about what people think of me but they 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 do. Yeah. Um they just have good ways of going about it and also letting it go. I got up on stage and my kind of default is if I do if it does go to crap <laughs> I just go like I've always said if you're going to if you're going to shit the bed you may as well do it in front of however <laughs> many people on stage live and most people get a laugh and then you're like oh we're all just people. We're all just yeah. humans. Who cares? Talk about your story. And the one thing I have is that I've run across Australia and I'm me. So talk about you and yeah. you run across Australia. or oh, That's what people want you there mm. for.
0: So Yeah, they're not getting you to talk about neuroscience. No, I'm,
1: I'm not trying to explain the ins and outs of how to be more resilient. Yeah. I'm actually just explaining my story and you can take what you want from my yeah. resilience learnings. I think like if you try and get up there and be preachy or try and get people to buy your book or try and get people to – buy your thing, you're selling them, they go, oh, here we go. But if you're trying to give, if you genuinely are trying to give these people something, they will feel that Mm. and they will go, oh, this is so refreshing because this guy actually wants to help people.
0: It's so interesting because authenticity, you know, in the hundreds of interviews I've done over five and a half years or something, the biggest thing that comes through is authenticity. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Bronnie Ware who wrote The Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret was that they people were not their authentic selves, mm. like when they're on the deathbed. Mm. They lived the life that their mother or father wanted them to live or their partner, mm. and they didn't go and pursue their dreams. Yeah. Um, however, that, you know, was in their mind. And I think in today's society, it can be hard because we're, like you said, we're trying to replicate other people. If it's someone on Instagram or, you know, even someone in the same field, it's like, no, you don't need, I don't need to be Oprah. I'll just be Sarah. And people like me when I'm me. I don't pretend to be someone else. Big time. And there is so much that comes with that because what, you know, Garbo Mate has been on this podcast a couple of times. He's similar to Bessel van der Kolk. And basically what he was saying is that disease manifests in people who don't live a life that's authentic to themselves. You know, it it manifests in people who are not true to themselves. Mm. They're living a double life. And when you're living that life, you don't feel like you. There's a piece that's missing. Mm. And, you know, the way we show up in the world, it's so important to just be you. Mm. And I love everything yeah, that infectious. you say around
1: it. I think it's like, I think, yeah, people need to, yeah, understand, like I touched on it before, but it's like they need to understand there's only one of you. Mm. There is no. There's, there is one Oprah, there is one, you know, yeah. Tony, like you need to just be you and find out what it is that makes you happy. And people, if, if your goal's to be heard, then it'll happen because you're wanting to do what you're wanting to do and you're being you. But if... Like, I think that's the problem. People see an Oprah or they see a whoever and they go, Oh my God, they've got all these mm. money and fame and cars and whatever. They go, That must be so nice. But it's, it's, that's, no, that's what the cost of being Oprah Winfrey, there's a whole lot there that you may not want yeah. too. And so that's, that's a fascinating concept to me too. It's like, yes, it's good to have people who inspire you and have idols, but trying to be like someone is, probably the worst thing you can do because you're now trying to be something you can never reach. Absolutely. You've been dealt what you've been dealt. So.
0: And I think people see through that too. Like time, you said, people like mate, you for raider. you. Yeah. And, and, people like me for me. I'm not pretending to be anyone that I'm not.
1: No, no, no. But that's, I think it, it touches on that um tall poppy. It's like people, they'll smell it straight away yeah. if, if, if it's bullshit for sure.
0: And I wonder for you, what is the best advice, Ned, that you've ever been given?
1: I think one is be yourself. That's the – that's we're kind of right hot yeah. topic right now. But the other is, like, don't question everything. Mm. So, like, I think, you know, I'm, I have a habit of questioning, you know, all the big things, but, like, don't question your choices all the time. Like, just go for it and do it. And if it doesn't pan out, then go the other way. But don't, like, second-guess things. I think the biggest one is, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've been given a lot of advice, but, like, I think I've sought out a lot too. Like, I try and – get a lot from all sources, but yeah, be curious, not judgmental.
0: What's something that you wish for yourself?
1: I live a giving fulfilled life and I don't mean, I don't don't necessarily mean happy because I don't think we can always be happy, Mm. but I do think there's, uh, we can always be fulfilled and that comes through the struggle, I think, big time. I think the most fulfilled lives are the ones where we have to overcome adversity.
0: What's your favourite Prayer
1: or saying or mantra? It's either just keep showing up, keep comfortable being uncomfortable or to the moon. So to the moon, it's quite like cowboy way of saying like, <laughs> hey, reach, reach. Yeah,
0: the stars. Yeah, reach
1: your, get there. And I don't, you'll never get there, but keep going. Just keep getting there. You know what I mean? Keep finding it. Keep finding it. And I, I hope I get to, you know, if I make it to 80, great. If I get there and- I look back on my life, I just want to be like, like I want my legacy to be like, that motherfucker, like he just, look what happened in his wake, you know? Like mm. that's what I want. I want, yeah, that's, that's my
0: hope. Have you had a mystical experience that's stood out to you? Could have been whilst you were running or
1: something um, that's
0: been not of the everyday?
1: When I watched my pa pass away, there was like a, in the hospital room, there was mum um, mum's sister and mum's brother and we're all sitting in the room. I probably shouldn't have been in there but I was and I think that was this this energy I'm talking about and there was just like this something going on. like there is – I've got a – whether it's like a legacy to leave there with par or like a – there was something so – like an energy in that room. I'm like, oh, God, something's going on here. Like I could cut this shit, you know.
0: Um, like before he died? Just before he passed yeah. away. Like just minutes, yeah. seconds
1: before he passed away. And then the other where that really stands out would be like obviously the the in into Bondi was a very like like running into Bondi and, and seeing those people, that was like a moment in history that probably will never be
0: How many people were there?
1: It's like the fish that keeps getting bigger you yeah. know when you catch the fish and it keeps getting bigger. Um, but I reckon like ten thousand, twelve thousand, I'm not really sure. Don't know numbers. Some saying twenty. Some yeah. are saying don't know. Um we'll go with twenty. Yeah. But yeah, like running down into that that there was an energy there that like people realised they were seeing something and they won't see it again. That's what it kind right. of felt like. It was like we just don't know if like I. That's what I felt it was that it was like this. This what's happening in Bondi right now. This energy to watch this team come in finishing this run. That just it was just this swarm of like, holy crap, what's happening? Um, and then the other was when I was sitting at this table with. Um, David Goggins having dinner with
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, him. All everyone's going around a table, talking about you know how David has inspired them and their life story, and and it gets to a guy and and he talks about protecting his daughters from a life of struggle, and Goggins like turns to me and I didn't realise he knew me. And he turns to me and he goes, like he like points to me and asks me this thing, and there was just like this. What did he ask you? Um, he asked me how like how long the run was, the days, like time. And he's, like, basically saying, old mate, he's, like, do you think he shies away from, like... And we were, like, there's just this, like, mutual agreement that, like, the suffering is the best and we didn't say a word. And then we spoke and it was just, like, just... You know that handshake where it's, like, the two bodybuilders just, like, <laughs> connecting? That's, yeah, that's what it felt like, just, like, uniting but of it like goes
0: back to that energy we were talking time, about. big time. And
1: that's, I think... I don't think it's, like, mystical, but I think it's, like...
0: No, it kind of is to an extent. Yeah, because it's a feeling it's that's not every day, you know. But it's there. Yeah,
1: like it's not. It's not made up. There's no, no, there's but like mystical,
0: a, isn't made yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But me. I mean,
1: like it's like, it's like there's a string there, but yeah. it's not, and you, you can't
0: see it. No, nah, it's yeah. like
1: you're just pulling. You're just like ah, and like yeah, that that sort of stuff is what I yearn for. Like that's my yeah. Yeah if I can have those with people I'm like you're my person come here let's go be my mate or let's whatever it is like that's what I want to find in people
0: It's interesting, you know, when you go back to talking about the thousands of people that were waiting for you in Bondi and that what you felt and because it was on you, like that they were here to see you, Mm. you know, and the collective energy when you get people together and their vibration is raised because they're happy. So everyone is there cheering. Like it kind of reminds me of like when I've been to these meditation retreats with like a thousand people at them and you're hardcore in this meditation and you've got this collective Mm. doing the same Mm -hmm. thing. It's like... The feeling is nothing like I've ever felt before and you people have these experiences mm. that are not of this world mm. and it's because you're getting so many people, it's like voom.
1: Well, it's, it's similar to like a, a concert of like yes. as someone and you're all in it, even though yeah. there's phones now, but there's like this, this understanding that what you're watching is so special yes. and you're sharing it with this bloke or this person and they are like, they're feeling it as well Yeah, and it's like, yeah, there's there's something in that, that that's it's really cool. But I think there's there's levels to finding that feeling and then the f- level that you find, the more euphoric, right? And so, like, if you pay $100 to go to a concert with 100,000 people at it, you're all going to feel it, but you all feel it. Yeah. And so if you can find that level that you, you know, that works for you, like, it just becomes, and I think I'm trying to find this yeah. one of one, but I don't know if I ever will. And if I do, I can't wait to talk about it because it's going to be something and I don't know if I'll ever be able to find the words to reflect what yeah. it is you feel and I don't know it's if you hard. can. It's very hard, yeah. But, yeah, that that level of like, I think it's like teared mm. because, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too. I, I know what you mean yeah. because
0: like in the practices I've done, mm. I try to get my energy up as high as I can. Yeah. And it gets to a certain level where I actually it's so high that I need to take Mm. it down a bit Mm. because your body starts shaking and Mm. you're like, you Mm. know, because that's all I'm like thinking about. So I I do get kind of an understanding of what you're talking about. I don't know if the human body can sustain that all of the time, time, you know, but it's euphoric.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it it definitely can't or it can, but it will give out in some way that you don't want.
0: Yeah, big time. What is a life of greatness to you?
1: I think legacy is the word that springs to mind. Knowing that I've given it my all and, yeah, left a legacy that has, A, fueled this, this world with motivation and inspiration to take on their thing, and then they can then ripple effect that to whoever they please, as well as giving back, um, knowing that I've given back more than I've taken because that's a whole nother energy in itself Mm -hmm. in that you give something without wanting anything in return it's it just this world becomes a, a beautiful place um and being able to instill that in other people to give that I think you know I don't I don't know about humanity but I'm sure if we can all stop thinking about ourselves as much as we are should be for others then it'll be a pretty uh I think that's greatness if you can if you can achieve that yeah
0: Ned Brockman, you're an absolute inspiration. Your book, Showing Up, is an amazing, amazing read. So I recommend everyone go and buy a copy and read it.
1: Thank you so much. Thank so, you uh,
0: so much no, for the conversation been, today. This has
1: been a, um, I did not think we were going to be, it was going to be like this. And it is, yeah, it's been fascinating. Thank you. I've really, really appreciate that you've been able to drag that out of me.
0: Thank you yeah, so much. So good. If you've enjoyed this episode, then I'd love you to join my community on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg, where we post videos and behind the scenes footage of each recording. You can also join my private Facebook group, Live Your Life Greatly, where we discuss the content in this episode and many more, as well as give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. To purchase my manifestation course and meditations, head to the shop tab at saragrimberg.com or this week's episode show notes to find a link. If you love what you heard, we'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and leave a five-star review. It will help us share this wisdom with others. Listener.